Ladies and gentlemen, we are here, back again. Recording in progress. And Mike's recording is now in progress. What's up, Mike? Welcome back to your handbook for the apocalypse. My family thinks I'm crazy. We, we've just kind of going all over the place lately. But I think the last show we did together uh, was on My Family Thinks I'm Crazy. And we've done a couple your handbook for the apocalypses as well. But how's everything going with you? Uh, things are good. Um, we are recording this um, according to the Gregorian counting system of October the 17th. And on this date, I've been, I've been in Southern Florida and St. Petersburg for the last two weeks. So I'm two weeks in on a, maybe a two month stay down here. Beautiful, wonderful place to be. You're missing out on the change of the, the seasons, but Hey, I'd rather be in the warmth than dealing with some of these November, October rains that we're getting. Well, all right. So, so it's, I mean, this, this past, I mean, really since, um, since beginning, I mean, there's never been a time it hasn't been like that, but I've been ultimately, ultimately focused on just this kind of like, free fall unfolding of life since um, really beginning, let's say, uh, February 26, 2022. And so this this trip, like I see everything nowadays, like it's so integrated and it's like everything is so connected and and, and like, you know, has a, a meaningful purpose. Not, not that I've never not thought that, but it seems even more more acute that way. So so I have that vision, that lens, like being down here in Florida. Um, and we're going to come back to this, but one of the things which I've been acutely aware of about being down here in St. Petersburg is this is where James Shelby Downard lived. And so like, okay, what, what, uh, in many ways, like I have, I feel, I feel similar to him in terms of, of a, a perspective and an embodied perspective, whether he was, you know, an actual person or a caricature, who knows? Um, so there's that. But where I'm going with this little um, blurb right this moment is the past weekend uh, for just tw for a for a 36 hour period, I flew back to um, I flew back to 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 Pennsylvania, and I went back with Christy, and we went back under the guise of. Um, of there being a uh, a wedding, which a good friend of Christie's who um, was getting married that weekend, and she had to return her daughter to to Pennsylvania, who was down staying with us in um, in November. So the three of us flew back from from the St. Petersburg area, landed in Philadelphia, and then went to a wedding that night. This is on Saturday. It went on a on a Saturday. We went to a wedding in in Allentown. So you brought up the fact like, you know, you're missing out or maybe, maybe it's a good thing or a bad thing of the, the, the Northeast sort of rainy autumn. And like, well, I got a flavor of it, but this is what, where, where my mind was this whole time, because uh, the trip was a pain in the friggin' ass. I mean, it just wasn't like a smooth, the, the way they do travel nowadays, like if you're, if you're, if you're on a budget and if you know what you're doing, like, our round trip flight, at least airlines, was like $30 each way. 
Like it literally costs $30 to fly. Now you get a $30 flight experience, but anyway, so it's like, it wasn't like comfortable flying. It wasn't anything. So we go there and I'm asking myself the whole time. I'm like, well, what's the purpose? Like I was like getting really well established in a routine down in Florida. And we like, we go do this thing and I'm like, something was calling up. And so what was it? So the first thing that it was, was like the wedding was a very, very unusual wedding. Um, it was a both a traditional Muslim we- wedding and also a Native American wedding. And they were like, or at least elements of it. And they, were, and they sang Ave Maria in between. So there's a little bit of Catholicism in it. So like this idea, I would say primarily if there was going to be a bigger flavor, like even more so than the Native American was this Islamic flavor. And, and there was like, it was very traditional, both in dress and all of this sort of stuff. And I'm kind of laughing to myself because it was the majority of, of, of people who are in the wedding were um, uh, Afghan, Afghani, like from Afghanistan. And this was like coming right off, off of the, like, you know, the worldwide jihad day. Like there was all of this like sort of uh, talk in the, in the public um, sphere space about the worldwide jihad day. So I'm like, I love the fact that I'm going to this Muslim wedding, uh, like within that, within that, that window of time. So we go to that. Well, and, and for, for people who might be listening, you know, months or years ahead from now, uh, today is October 17th and we're talking about Friday, the 13th weekend, uh, mm-hmm. October 13th, 2023. Right. So was the wedding, uh, the 14th or it was the 14th. Exactly. Okay. So it was the 14th that we went there. And so, so I'm going to build on a couple different points and then like, let me just like add all of these points in and then I'll, I'll stop and we could, we could go, we could go into it. So the, the last time or I actually, it's, I've been to St. Petersburg three times since the whole, um, Freemasonic event kicked off. And the first time I went, it was in February of 2022, just after that Freemason thing, which happened in the end of January. And the weekend which I arrived in um, St. Petersburg was the weekend that the Ukrainian sort of war, whatever you want to call that, that was the weekend it happened. And St. Petersburg, Florida, like by name and by population and as a tourist definition, as a tourist destination, like resonates deeply with like, like well-to-do Russians and Eastern Europeans and Ukrainians. So like, like to be here during the Ukrainian time, like, like I talked about that in the past. And so then to be here again, when the whole sort of like Israeli, like this, this Israel thing kicks off again, I'm like, okay, this is two times now that upon arriving in St. Petersburg, which particularly where I'm staying in what's called the historic historic northeast section i mean th- this place is like it's 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 jew central like my sister's a jew so it's like you know i say that like not like i just say that like w- without like a like an externalization from it like it's close to my experience but it's like it's really like you know like israeli and jew and all this sort of stuff and like then go into the muslim thing so like all of that was like in play and Friday the 13th. I'm like, look at, look at all of this stuff, which is unfolding. Um, and then uh, I'll just touch this. We'll go into this in, in another moment. Like I became aware of this other thing, which is interesting. Um, 
actually I'm going to save this for later. I'll save that one for later. So the last thing was, so I was aware of that, like, is like, is that, how does this tie into the timing of this, of this event, which, you know, my Mike's experience of coming down to St. Petersburg, then going back up to Florida and so forth. And like the timing of world war three, you know, quote unquote, the timing of world war three. But then, um, what I would say is probably, in my opinion, the most significant meeting that happened, like, you know, me going to the wedding was mostly like, you know, I felt like it was just kind of uh, like comical in the fact that there was a collapse of a false time of a false narrative, that being of like the coming World War, World War III. Um, but what did occur, which did seem very real, was I was... Um, I had a, a meeting with a friend, um, uh, a friend of a friend. So there's a, a very good friend of mine who I met with on Sunday night. So the following night and he and his lady, me and Christy met with them both. They're about to give birth and they had another friend who was in the area. And it's this other friend, which was so important for me to meet because this guy's he's uh, my age. He's, he's actually three months younger than I am. But he has lived an unpaved life for um, the last 35 years. And I really wanted to meet him. So what do I mean by the unpaved life? Like there's an understanding of the paved world and the unpaved world. Like this guy, like literally has never had a driver's license. This guy's literally never paid taxes. This guy literally like all of the things, which is like that other sort of lifestyle, like he has not been part of it, but he is not like a homeless dude. And it's not like he came from outside of the outside of of the 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 paradigm because like his father was like a was a vice president for Chase Manhattan. Like, you know, he's from that world. But at a very, very early age, he found a way to drop out. He was like, I know that I'm not going to live in this world and I know that I'm not going to be part of it. I'm never going to have a, a smartphone. I'm never going to, I'm never going to have a driver's license. I'm never going to, I'm never going to do these sort of things, but I'm going to live like as, as like a, like a life. Like I still got to like, like have, I'm still a human being with like all of the things that human beings need to live. So this meeting with this guy who goes by the name of Weathered Carrot or, or, or Dub C, uh, like, that to me was was really, really um, instrumental for me because I've never actually seen someone who lives like that and who lives like that in such a, like a, 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 um, a, a an established way, like not being like on the outskirts of 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 Skid Row, but like in a thriving sort of way. Likewise. Um, him meeting me, I think, like really scratched an itch for him as well. So that was a it was a, a a coming together. It was a it was a meeting that was really important to happen, particularly in what's unfolding in my life, maybe what's unfolding in his life, what's unfolding in the world, and the sort of the sort of um, uh, infrastructures that are being developed. So with all that said, Mark, I, that was what I wanted to build up. Now I want to I want to pass it on to you and provide you the opportunity to kind of like comment, ask questions, make make observations and so forth. Yeah, well, first of all, 
just to reiterate the strange timing of you know, world conflicts and you landing in St. Petersburg. And, you know, we've talked about St. Petersburg before. I'm sure I've brought up my friend, Dr. Narco Longo of Old World Florida and how he's kind of sussed out all these strange ancient cultures that have left their mark in that part of uh, Florida and how there might be this whole hidden history there. I was even listening to a podcast uh, last week where a woman who wrote a book about her experiences with poltergeist supernatural phenomena, she claimed that where she lived, and I believe it was in Tampa, Florida, uh, she said that there was most definitely a portal there and she regularly encountered entities of all different sorts um, moving through and uh, to and fro through this portal. But yeah, sort of fringe stuff aside, how do you analyze that symbol? Obviously I'm not, uh, suggesting like, oh, well, when Mike goes to St. Petersburg, world conflicts happen, but how do you engage with that, you know, synchronicity, you know, and, and what kind of meaning do you, pull from that because it is kind of uh you know twice now it, it's twice right like i mean what uh, the the general adage is this happens one times it's like you know it's random two times coincidence three times it's a pattern so but i mean these are two big these are two big uh occurrences um so Both of these stories, right, like are they're like big heartstring stories and they're big polarization stories like the Ukrainian war and this this thing in it going on in Israel and Palestine. So so time will tell time will tell to see if if like this thing in the Middle East lives up to its, um, you know, what it's being sold as which is usually like uh, fear porn slash distraction. Um, the, and, and, and when I say this, like, you know, this, this goes with the caveat, like, you know, they're, they're real, I guess they're real human beings in the world who are really affected by like stuff, you know? So I'm not, I'm not diminishing that, but I am talking about this from a, from a, like maybe a little bit more of an abstract perspective. Um, we saw with, like the funniest thing with the, in my opinion, and I never got like, I, I stopped really caring about a lot of the, 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 na the international or national events, like what's going on. But, but the idea of like the Ukrainian president, you know, being an actor, like literally the dude was an actor and like, you know, just like that whole ridiculousness. And, and one of the things I saw as it related to, to this recent thing, which is going on in, in Israel is, um, it had like a press conference and there was this guy and he was dressed in IDF, uh, like Israeli defense. I don't know what the F stands for, like their, their military, uh, like in their uniform, having a press conference. But it was like a, like a dude who's a congressman in the United States and was filmed like on, on in the Congress building. It's just like another one of these, like, like wag the dog sort of scenarios. Like, like, so, so, when it comes to these these stories like there's like it's not even it's 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 not even a far fetch it's not even hidden the fact of like like this is just all theater it's always been theater and it it entices people 
And when I went to the house, which I stay at sometimes in Pennsylvania, the river house, I talked to someone who lives there who's got a lot of emotional um, currency tied into um, Israel and Palestine. And he sat down with me and he talked to me for like 20 minutes all about like, you know, this is why we're getting close to World War Three and why this is like, you know, why it's the end this time. And I'm not interested in having conversations with, with, with about that because, you know, time has shown me like, no, this is just like, this is, this is just one thing to get people all worked up is something else has moved forward. So, right. so you're, I'm kind of like giving a long answer to your question. It's like, how do I make, what do I make of this? That this has happened two times. Like to me is like, it's happened two times that, that like this story of like, like fault, like this, like this fear of there being a, um, a, like we're one step closer to nuclear Holocaust. And maybe this goes into like that Oppenheimer story, which we talked about this summer and like, you know, whether or not nukes even exist or not, but like these, this story of like nuclear war and nuclear Holocaust as a boogeyman, like that's a big deal. Like, you know, that's in a lot of people's minds and, and, and to see the ridiculousness of that um, I think is important, important for me. Uh, particularly as it, as it relates to James Shelby Downard sort of conspiracy uh, downward spiral, which is these like fear-based boogeymen, things that you have no control over, which are going to scare you and keep you up at night, which are just like fear-based. Like if there really are nuclear bombs that are going to come, like there's nothing you can freaking do about it. Like you might as well be worried about like getting struck by, by lightning. Like we, we, we know that's part of, part of the, the, the play in here. And so like that's in play. So maybe it's, it's that the ridiculousness of the story um, but then coupled with, with like, well, what is real? Like, you know, Israel, what is real? What really is happening? And like, as we're having these conversations about like, you know, false stories and this is real and that's not real. Like the one thing I can say for certain is what's continually moving forward all the time is like that, that, um, that, that, two step towards like uh blockchain uh web 3.0 the like reality becoming just web based and all we're hearing are these false stories with false boogeymen as no one's really like noticing the boiling or concerned about the boiling water around them and and so that seems to jump out at me and and becoming aware and this this ties into that conversation which i i mentioned earlier with with uh dubsy you know weather carrot which is like what are the alternative what are the alternative options for people who are seeing the stories as they're being manipulated during this window of time um to possibly not go down uh, a, a particular timeline. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. James Shelby downward and the downward spiral. That's interesting that that's in at play. I'm sure there's other factors at play, but I agree with you in the, um, sense that when it comes to the global stage 
and the goings on of the fear porn, I've learned to just tune out. And it's kind of funny if I could maybe uh, share a little bit about what's happened in my week because it contrasts a bit with what you just said. Um, so Tara and I, we finally found a, a, an apartment. It's pretty far away from where we were living. And it's been a struggle to get all of our stuff up there. But last, uh, this past Sunday, I was finally able to get a U-Haul and take everything up there. So, you know, two weeks into signing the lease and we still hadn't even moved any of our stuff in. And we finally get up there and I sort of made note like, oh, yeah, I don't really see a lot of people. I don't see a lot of neighbors. You know, I think we ran into like one neighbor at one point when we were there looking at the place but i hadn't really met anybody and uh, my friend who met me through the podcast this gentleman named marshall he has his own denim uh company where he you know sews these really beautiful uh jeans and jackets and all sorts of other products out of denim he is in town that's that's where he lives and that's where his factory set up so he's kind of like my you know only uh link in the town so he helped us move in, and as we were uh, moving in, right about when we were finished, he began to tell us a little bit about what he knew about the building that we were moving into. And the night before, I was sleeping, you know, about to go to sleep, lying in bed, and I was thinking about this jacket here that I'm wearing and how these patches need to be sewn back. And I'm kind of, you know, I'm thinking to myself, I could probably do it myself. But the last time I sewed it on, I just did a little, you know, hand stitch. I started just thinking about sewing and how a sewing machine works. And it's kind of a, a baffling thing. You know, how does a sewing machine work? You know, when you really think about it, how does it get the, the pin, you know, up and down? But synchronistically, Marshall tells us that next day that the building that we now live in is where the sewing machine was invented so the night before i'm not sleeping in the building but i was you know at where we were previously staying i have this sort of like just premonition type thought about sewing you know uh so that was one little strange event but then this morning after we spent our first night there i uh i went outside to the car we're about to leave and i run into a neighbor he doesn't live in our building but he lives nearby introduces himself starts telling me oh you know i feel bad for you young kids in the world this these days and i could already tell you know when you hear somebody say something like that you know maybe what what type of conversation might come next but we just stuck with uh small talk and he kind of you know told me a little bit about the town and he tells me he's got a little dog with him and He's kind of walking with a limp and a cane. He tells me he's a, a stonemason, which is interesting, or was a stonemason. And his dog's name is Xena, uh, right? So there's like a little bit of, I don't know, symbolism going on there. And uh, basically, he tells us that his wife used to do past life readings and uh, and, you know, connects us with a couple different you know, places to go to, but I thought it was just odd that, you know, here's this, this or the first neighbor we meet and, uh, you know, his wife is a, a past life reader. I was just telling you about the whole, uh, Edgar Casey thing that I talked about on tinfoil hat. That episode's coming out today. And 
I was telling you how there's a synchronicity with Edgar Casey. Obviously, Edgar Casey did past life readings. So this sort of um, mundane sort of synchronicities, I guess. I thought there was one other thing that Rick told me that was worth noting. It must have slipped my mind. But uh, yeah. Oh, the thing about uh, the Andy Griffith show. So he says to me when telling me about the town, he says, this town is the closest thing you'll get to Mulberry, uh, which I didn't get the reference at first, but I asked Tara what that meant. And she told me, oh, that's from the Andy Griffith show, which is a you know, black and white television show. As you probably know, Mike, I never really watched it. It was way uh, before my time, but I did I probably watched it with my grandparents as they tried to, you know, uh, fill me in on their nostalgia. But yeah, it's just kind of interesting to get that like Hollywood reference where, oh yeah, this new place you're living in is like this thing out of a TV show. It kind of made me think of uh, the Truman show in a way, but on the other side of the coin, I'm really excited to live in a place where, everybody knows each other, you know, cause where I grew up, it's like, you know, tens of thousands of people and, you know, three or four different school districts in one town. And so, you know, you don't really feel that same energy of everybody knows each other. It's more like, Oh yeah, we, in our neighborhood, we know each other, but that it doesn't really extend to the whole town. Whereas this town, it's just this little quaint little place out in the middle of the woods Everybody knows each other, so and it's right on the Farmington River. Uh, so yeah, yeah, new new things on the horizon. But it was interesting that you know uh, the Friday the thirteenth was this past weekend because it was almost like we had to get past Friday the thirteenth before we could move in. It just kind of felt like something um, something changed energetically after that, and I also knew that the 14th was the eclipse, right? And although we couldn't see that on this side of the country, I think it was just the West Coast that saw the eclipse. Um, an eclipse is not exactly a good omen, according to a bunch of cultures. So uh, kind of weird that uh, Friday the 13th and that eclipse lined up with each other all when these major things are happening on right, the world right. stage. So, so, all right, there's, there's a bunch of things I want to, want to comment on first. When you sent me that text and you said you, like Mulberry, I was thinking that it was literally the name of the town in Connecticut. And I was like looking for that. I didn't realize like you're making, like, I didn't put one, one together that, uh, it's actually Mayberry. Mayberry. Ah, is, Mayberry. Is, That's what I meant. Is, is what, um, Andy Griffith show is, um, and we could go down that line, but but there's other things I think a little bit more intriguing to talk about. Um, the sewing, the sewing machine is definitely interesting. Uh, and I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna show restraint and not go down that path, but definitely as it relates to like what sewing is, sewing is a big deal. Uh, sewing machines, and then its change of um, you know the the movement of paradigm and culture. But let's go into what I think is interesting is uh, probably the last things which you were talking about was like uh, the whole sort of like uh, what you were talking about as it relates to um, I, 
you how did you describe it that the energy needed to be passed to Friday the 13th well and and what I left out is there's a lot of like just stress and you know arguing and things like not just between me and my significant other Tara but you know with the family you know all it's just it's a it's a lot to move out and the situation we're in was was stressful and still is in some ways but friday the 13th and this eclipse felt like it's almost like uh it all culminated then and then it sort of phased into a new new energy after that right that's the best way i could describe it so uh so okay, so that's that's. Uh, I want to just talk about a couple of those things because I, the, these are. I find these topics really, really fun to like deconstruct. So first off, like, what is Friday the thirteenth? Friday the thirteenth is is an egregore, right? Because Friday that so Friday the thirteenth doesn't exist because it's based upon things that don't exist in reality, but like in 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 objective reality, which. First being there being a, like a, a calendar and then there, you know, the, the, the Friday. But that being said, on a certain level of reality, obviously in the minds of people like Friday the 13th exists. And there is a um, there's a history associated with it. And the supposed history is what? That the, the Knights Templar uh, Jacques de Molay was burnt at the stake on Friday the 13th. Isn't that like the 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 supposed history of why friday the 13th is an ominous day yeah the more uh, the more condensed version is that the the templars were banned on that day but yeah when you go into the the details they'll tell you about mole but yeah friday the 13th that's when all the templars were basically banned from the catholic roman empire well, was it he like Mole was burned at the stake? Yeah, at least that's yeah, yeah. The story. Yeah, and so then, like, so I think this is fascinating because then, like, this is when you begin to like ask the question, like, who are the good guys, who are the bad guys, right? So because like Mole and like the Knights Templar, like, depending upon whose whose history is like, are they good guys or bad guys? Are the Knights Templar are they like? worshippers of baffled made the goat-headed satan devil and they're all a bunch of sodomites who are like you know and 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 like the burning of them and then they cursed like what what why thir- friday the 13th became a bad day it's because they cursed it like they put the curse they got, and like so is it that or are they like the knights templar the T- knights templar were the keepers of the rose line they were the protectors of the mysterious bloodline between mary magdalene and g and jesus and they kept that line protected like is that the story like like this is like where like and this is why like it's really an egregore like it's like it doesn't even matter like whether these stories are accurate or not or which one is accurate and which one is not like they've got weight to them and now because of them like you know like we've got like we collectively like there is weight to it and now like whether or not you're superstitious or not you're aware well friday the 13th is something going to happen like like it's become its own individual like it's it, that's what i mean my egregore like it's got a life of its own um i find that sort of stuff fascinating um and uh so so we've got that um, but then to tie that to eclipses, so now we've got eclipses, um, 
And eclipses are, eclipses are, yes, like historically, like an eclipse is an auspicious, um, an auspicious uh, uh, moment in time. And historically, historically, like good things or bad or like bad things happen, or at least like, like major changes occur when eclipses occur. Um, as someone who considers themselves an unastrologer, like there's a lot, there's a, like astrology is so, so like textured and there's so many levels to it. Like, by, like, like there's lots of stuff in astrology, like I don't know, or I don't get, but what I think I do understand in astrology is like in a very, very rare air. And I understand how reality is created and and I question I que- I question like like even like the valid the the validity of like all of the stories in astrology like astrology is a thing in the fact like there's like they're like planets and they're like timing and they're transits but we're still left with the question like what's a planet you know because the Gnostics will tell you the planets are the bad guys and like like you know and some of the Gnostic stuff like we'll get around and we'll be like yeah we with the Gnostic story sounds good and some of the Gnostic stuff will be like no it doesn't sound good but again we don't know what they are but I can see I can see planets or at least some of the planets with my eyes so like I don't know what they are I certainly follow the planets and I I place value into understanding the movements of the planets, but mostly out of the fact that it's like the most real, which we have. And if I choose not to put value in them, um, well, then I'd be doing that just based purely out of superstition and fear. But we've got a, like eclipses comes with an astrological sort of like um, uh, an astrological sort of um, uh uh, history. And typically what goes with, with eclipses is like, all right, well, an eclipse is going to happen. And then like, there's going to be some time like in the next like 90 days, like this going back in the olden days, like, you know, uh, when an eclipse happens, then like, oh, something bad's going to happen. And this is usually like, or at least historically, this was told by like the priest classes, you know, the people who had knowledge and they'll be like, something bad's going to happen. So this might as well just be like, you know, oh, we're on the brink of World War Three. We're on the brink of World War Three. And it's like if something bad does happen, whether or not it's planned or not, is like, you know, it's it can be blamed upon it because that link has happened. Like this is how our reality works. Like we can understand it in a very, very like simplistic way. If you understand how like neuro-linguistic programming works or hypnosis works because there's a truth to it. It's like there's this concept which is called anchoring where you take an emotional state or you take something like and you link it to something which it has no correspondence to, but you make a link to it. And you do that through like symbols or repetition or like something which is emotionally charged. And that is known as anchoring. And anchoring is real. Like if you've ever practiced like hypnosis or neuro-linguistic programming, you know that there is a truth to it. There is an effective truth that if you understand how anchoring works, that you can use anchoring for any means, something that serves you or doesn't. And that is a truth of our reality is that we have anchoring works. In my opinion, like, astrology and all this stuff is like it's an anchoring system like 
because anchoring works, there's a truth to it. Like they, we built in an, an egregore. They're like Friday the 13th has been anchored in people's minds that when this number happens or when the state happens, like, oh, something's going to bad happen. And if nothing bad happens, you're like, ooh, you know, luckily it did. And if something bad happened, you're like, well, it's friggin' Friday the 13th. No different than Mercury in retrograde. Like it's like, oh, it's Mercury in retrograde. No wonder. So it's like, there's there's like it's this really really interesting thing which is in play but eclipses are real things like eclipses are real not every eclipse can be seen so you brought up something very very interesting you said like well the eclipse was visible in the western part of the united states and it wasn't just visible it was what's called a ring of fire eclipse which is a a full solar eclipse where you see like a ring of fire around the moon. And that's a real special one. And I'm going to imagine like, you know, that really does occur. So that, so that, that like something does happen, which is tangible there. Um, So, so that is real. Um, And we do have the correspondence of two things that lined up like, uh, eclipses happen twice every annual cycle, or there are two eclipses, two eclipses, Eclipses happen in pairs. So you have an eclipse on a full moon and then a new moon or a new moon and then a full moon. So those are always two weeks apart. And that happens every six months somewhere on the earth that there will be eclipses. So eclipses are are pretty common. They happen every six months. They're not visible everywhere. But we had an eclipse that lined up with a Friday the 13th. So now we got this double thing going on. So that's special, special on the egregore level, but it did occur. But this is what is really also interesting about our eclipse is the eclipse that just happened had a um, another astrological element Um, in astrology lingo. You could say that eclipses are Plutonian because Plutonian has to do with the death rebirth process. Something's going to die and something's going to be reborn. This is Pluto. This is the eighth house. This is this is Scorpio. This is a certain archetype, which which is there's a truth to it. And our culture is built upon it. And eclipses as concepts are Plutonian, like, oh, it's auspicious. Something's going to happen. Something's going to end and something new is going to occur. So in concept, it's Plutonian, whether or not Pluto's involved or not. But the eclipse that just occurred was in an aspect. So this is a a a a um, actual knowable um, geometric correspondence between where the eclipse is occurring in the heavens, as defined on the ecliptic, and where the whatever Pluto is, where Pluto is located. They're exactly. An eclipse occurs on a 180-degree line with Earth right in the middle of that line, or at least this is how we're told to envision it. And then on a 90-degree, on a T-square, so imagine the shape of a T, is the placement of Pluto. So Pluto is in this immensely like strong geometric and, and astrological um, occurrence, which is said to be very, very difficult. This is actually happening. So what just occurred on this 
Friday the 13th, which is a blending of egregore, which actually happened on the eclipse date, which is like, you know, kind of egregore, but it's a real thing, which was actually on a like a, a ring of fire eclipse, which is a real like special eclipse, also had this plutonian 90 degree thing like like this was a wild eclipse. You are absolutely right about that. Um I felt it. I certainly felt this this eclipse energy. Uh, like it was an intense time for me. Uh, and but I I also so this is what I do in my own practice. Like um, so Christy and I we we build the starboard for on the on the the uh, core the changes of the moon. And so an eclipse is always on a full moon or a or a new moon. And we built it right before we left on the the 14th. We did on the 13th. Um, the, the eclipse was actually on the 14th, I believe. Uh, and we put on what's known as our composite chart, which is where the planets are, where um, of two people, if you take two people's charts and then you do the midpoints of all of their planets, so the midpoints of your two suns and the midpoints of your two moons, that becomes a composite chart, and that becomes a symbol of two human beings, like particularly if they're in a relationship. So we put our chart on there, and our composite sun happens to be on the same place where the eclipse occurs. That would be 24 degrees Libra. So this was a very personal eclipse as well. So all of that being said, by doing this, by bringing awareness, conscious awareness to all of this egregore stuff, to all of this like scary story stuff, you can diffuse it. So, or at least that's a theory which we're playing playing with. So well, we go and we do that. I, I don't want to interrupt, but I, I forgot something that might be very important. Tell me. I just turned 29 on the 11th. So this, all of this is also like my Saturn return. Yeah. Totally. When I totally. thought, when you said Libra, I, re, I was reminded of that. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, so without a doubt, your, so your birthday is, I would, so the eclipse is the 14th. You turned on the 11th. Is that what you said? Yeah. So that would be three days later. Like that's definitely in, in the, uh, um, in the um, eclipse window. And even more interesting, Mark, is because I've told this story many times, is when that whole sort of Freemasonic presentation, which which I had, it was kicked off on the eclipse that happened on my 50th birthday. That was when I received my invitation. Um, this is the eclipse on your Saturn return, if you will. So it's like, yeah, like there's Saturn is in play for you. So that, that also brings in another element. So again, like, you know, are these real, there's a, a question is like a Saturn, Saturn return is a real thing. Like Saturn really does have a 29 year, has a 29 year orbit. But then the question is like, well, what does that mean? Do we, do we go by the egregore or do we recreate our own story? Like I'll leave that as a dot, dot, dot for each person to answer. So, so yes, like when, when we as human beings, like, have an awareness of all of these like stories, which are in the background of our minds, whether that be like the, like world war three is on the brink or whether this is the eclipse or whether it's Saturn return or what have you like, and you bring in awareness and you realize like, maybe it's something, maybe it's not, but I'm going to go and lean into it 
And I understand as much as I possible can understand what this stuff is. Um, and I stand with the mystery because it's still a mystery. I don't understand any of this crap. I don't know where I am. I don't know how we got here, but we're here and we can begin to like de demystify what can be demystified and really, really embraced what can't be demystified. It's like, this is where the power comes in. This is why I said like that meeting with, 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 um, with dub, with dub C was so important for me because he felt like I'm like, this is a key meeting for me as an individual at this key time. And this was like, at the very least an eclipse on it with a plat with the plutonian square should at least feel difficult you should at least feel a squeeze whatever that squeeze is just like what you're talking about like a move like you a move is always a squeeze and like you all the things which you're saying um the last thing i want to say like what what happened so this is really this this is this is kind of funny so we go through this whole sort of trip all of these things like it's like it's it's intense for a variety of reasons it's intense for a variety of reasons and then we fly out of um we have to fly out of the philadelphia airport and it was like a 11 a.m flight and that night we slept the river house in lancaster which is um you know a good 90 minutes away and so like just the travel to get into philadelphia and get to the airport like all of that's like a thing on like a monday morning and so we arrive at the airport and like bunch of bumps along the road to get there. And we arrive at the security checkpoint. And it's a real interesting energy to have to carry because I know like the, how energy works and what you carry. And, and like, you know, I don't want to put on a certain coat, but at the same time, it's like, I don't want to be in the Philadelphia airport on Monday and fly and go through TSA. Like, like, you know, so this is like part of my own sort of like walking the walk. So anyway, we arrive at this pits, we arrive at this airport and along the way, we had like a whole bunch of interesting, like, like signs, like, like one sign being like, everything's going to be all right sign. And the other sign being like, you know, like danger, danger, Will Robinson. So we get to the airport and we get into, we're already like running late. We wouldn't get there probably like 40 minutes earlier, but we finally get there 40 minutes behind when we were hoping to arrive. And it is the longest line I've seen at security since like, uh, September 11th, 2001 time period when the lines were ridiculously long and like Philadelphia airport is like, just not like a, like not an efficient airport. So our, we're, we're trying to figure out like, well, how are we going to move through this line quickly, all this sort of stuff. And next thing we know, like a Philadelphia airport cop just walks by and said, Hey, there's another, there's another security checkpoint that doesn't have a line if anyone's interested. We're like, what? And us and maybe like 10 other people, there are thousands of people in line, like hear them. And so this, 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 this police officer like walks us like down, like, you know, the, like some stairs, they bring us outside of the, outside of the, the concourse, like of where you would go through security. And they point, they're like, just walk like a hundred feet, cross the street there, and then turn, turn into this other building. And there you're going to see the security line. And I'm thinking, I'm laughing to myself. I'm like, there is no friggin' way. There is no way this can be actually happening. Like, 
like, I'm like, I'm thinking the cop is out of their mind, but I'm like, well, what am I going to do? I can't stand in this really long line. I'm with like 10 other like randos. So we walk down, we cross the street in like this old, older part of the Philadelphia airport. If anyone here is listening is familiar with it. I think it was like for like gate L and we enter into it. And sure enough, there is a security checkpoint and there's literally no one in friggin' line. We've got like 25 minutes before like our plane is starting to like board. We go straight to the checkpoint and like, you know, we just pass through it. Still, you got to go through the whole sort of thing. But but it's like at least there's not a line. And we go through the line, all that sort of stuff. We're on the other side of the airport. So now we got to, or on the, the, the inside now, we've passed through security. We got to walk through it. But like the point of the whole thing was like, we went through all of the clips. We went through the 4th of July. We went through the, 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 the Islamic wedding on the day of jihad, like all of like the scary stuff. And it was like, and at the end of the day, like, we just like, we like walk through the security checkpoint. We go through, we get on our plane and, uh, get to sit in, in, um, in, uh, the, the, um, emergency aisle row for free to boot. So it was like, it, that was kind of like what that experience was. And I'm sharing this because to me, like a lot of that felt like this dance between like this egregore energy of like scary things and like bad things happening. And then like, you know, how you hold your energy or what, what stories you choose to go and, and put value in. Yeah, absolutely. Well, that's a blessing there. I mean, <laughs> parting the virtual seas to make it aboard. Wow. Good luck on that. But uh, yeah, I hope I have the same moving forward with uh, everything in this new place. So it's a, it's an auspicious symbol for sure. I don't know quite what to make of it yet, but I do feel like I've gotten past the... Uh, the harsher aspects of it, I guess. Well, you're just stepping into your Saturn return. So you got a whole good year or two to go in and, and play with some astrological energies and, and, and supposed tests, yeah. but at least, at least this is a really good opportunity, a good time for you. Like, I mean, this is what I always say about astrology is like the more you can understand your chart, not like what, what all this stuff means, but or at least what it means in terms of like a Babylonian um, archa uh, archetypical story, but what it means in terms of like like the planets and their orbits and understanding where they were when you were born, what that what the what the chart really is a, a picture of, because that's what it is. It's a picture of that when you do that, when your conscious mind, when you're thinking the mind, when your rational mind gets it, and then your, your, your higher mind, your intuitive mind, your deeper mind, whatever you want to call, like is no longer like influenced by rational mind superstition or what have you. Like that's when some really interesting stuff occurs. Like, like your, your, um, you're uh you're 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 setting yourself up for a real um for a different way of of interacting with reality and playing the game i don't know what to make of that now but i'm sure i'll have some thoughts on that as it unfolds but yeah yeah it definitely is a change of pace going to where where we're going so uh new new exciting things in store 
Um, but yeah, Mike, any anything that we left uh, untied? Is there any loose ends? I've got one last story I'd like to share with you. And yeah. this is really going to be for benefits for the people who are watching this on video to really appreciate what I'm going to say. Okay. All right. So, so this ties in, if you will, to this idea. So this is going to go back to the question which you had originally or, or how we kind of kicked off this this episode, which is like, well, what, what is this like World War Three or like boogeyman or like like all of, like what does that mean to you? So I'm going to add another layer, another layer to it. And, you know, this is this is this is part or this is consistent with mine and yours conversation because we're we're embracing the fact that there are these strange synchronicities out there. And sometimes the synchronicities could be really, really scary. But if you don't look away or blink, you realize that they're really not scary. And that comes to the fact that like the whole sort of way, the whole thing, like, am I going to, is Mike Kwan going to be assassinated by the Freemasons because of like, you know, the, the, the Kobe Bryant thing. So, all right. So we are going to go, I'm going to screen share for a moment. Uh, did you give me a screen share? Let me screen share right now. Um, I got to go and find this. Hold on. Safari notes calendar. Oh, here we go. Nope. Is that it? Nope. Here we go. Now I found it. All right, so has it popped up? Yeah, I can see it. All right, so this is I this is something which I found really interesting, which ties into that original question of the timing of me arriving at in St. Petersburg and these threats of World War Three and all this sort of stuff. So we're going to go back to, um, I don't know if you could see this right now, but this says September 11th, 2023. So the actual event took place on September 10th, 2023, but it's when Novak Djokovic, um, who's a tennis player, he won the U.S. Open. And when he won the U.S. Open, it's a tennis tournament for people who aren't tennis fans. It's like in the tennis world, there are like some major tennis tournaments, which are more important than the other tennis tournaments. And the U.S. Open is one of them. And this guy wins it. And these tennis tournaments that are important are called Grand Slam events. And this guy became the 24th. He won 24 different Grand Slam tournaments, making him like the all-time winningest tennis guy for Grand Slam. So like in the tennis world, that's a really, really big deal. This guy, and his name is Djokovic, okay? And so the reason why that's important is because it says joke right in it. Like, this is part of this world we live in. So he goes and he wins. He wins the, uh, um, he wins this uh, um, tournament. And when he's getting the trophy, he takes off his shirt and he shows this T-shirt. And it has a picture of Kobe Bryant on it. So the guy wins the 24th uh, uh, Grand Slam event, and he shows his Kobe Bryant T-shirt. This happened like a month ago, and it happened like the day before September 11th. So like also embedded into this is, um, is uh, um, you know, September 11th sort of like boogeyman sort of stuff. And 
also worthy of pointing out right now is the U.S. Open always takes place in the same location. Like the tournament is held at the USTA, so uh, that's the United States Tennis Association National Tennis Center Stadium, and that is no in Flushing Meadows, Queens, New York. So, in in um, like tennis speak, they just call it Flushing Meadows. It's like you know, in Flushing Meadows is what they'll call it. But the full name of this of this um, stadium or its location is Corona Park is Corona Park. And so what we have right here is this, this, this link synchromistically between we've got Corona, right? And we've got Kobe Bryant. We've got the Joker. We've got Djokovic playing into this. And so we're, we're going to go into this for like uh, a couple different ways. And so at first I'm going to lean into like the joke aspect. So Part of this joke, part of this joke of Djokovic winning the the ten, this this tennis tournament is he was banned from playing tennis and particularly playing at the U.S. Open in previous years is because his refusal to take the 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 a vaccine. He refused to take a vaccine and for the coronavirus and. And because of that he couldn't play, so now he goes back, and it's no longer a requirement. And he he plays in the tournament and he wins it. But it turns out that one of the main sponsors of the tournament is Moderna, one of the manufacturers of the vaccine, and they have this thing which they call the shot of the day, which is like you know the best shot of the tournament of the day. So there's this very like ironic this this James Shelby Downard Masonic like mockery, if you will, of like you've got the Djokovic who is now getting the Moderna shot of the day when he wouldn't take the shot to begin with. So all of that is like baked into this cake. But where this gets really interesting is, and I've talked about this many times before, is I have always linked this the 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 Kobe. Bryant death um, as a rich as an esoteric ritual with the coronavirus, and so that and we've talked about this ad nauseum over the years. And this was introduced. This was introduced into this idea, not so much about the coronavirus, but at least about the about the Kobe Bryant esoteric uh, death ritual of being symbolic of something. And if you listen to this, uh, to the interview, which I did, which came out on February 28th, 2020, like part of it was like, we don't know what this is a symbol of, but we know it's a symbol. It's a marking of something. So that, that, that conversation was released on higher side chats on February 28th, 2020. So, so where this gets really interesting is when we look at the dates. We look at February 28th, 2020, which was the date of um, the release of that of the idea of the analysis of the Kobe Bryant esoteric death ritual with Djokovic showing Kobe Bryant's face at 
Corona Park to become like the all-time Grand Slam winner on September 10th, 2023. So if you look at those two dates, they're exactly 1,290 days apart. Like you see that on this day counter. And so within the book of Daniel, the book of Daniel is uh, along with the... uh, along with um, the Book of Revelations and the Dead Sea Scrolls. It's one of these three sort of texts, which are all about, like, you know, the apocalypse, the end of days. It says specifically that this period of time of 1,290 days is this time period, the tribulation. The tribulation is going to be 1,290 days, where, like... um, uh, the daily sacrifice and the abolishment and the abomination that causes the desolation is set up. And then it says, blessed is the one who could wait then until the end, which is 1,335 days. So according to the book of Daniel, and, and what's funny is if you go and you read the book of Daniel, it, it actually says, it names it like Michael is the guy who comes. <laughs> so you read into that anything you want. Um, but uh, if you wait, if you wait until um, uh, 1335 days is when um, all of this t- trials and tribulations comes to an end. So we we saw the trial and tribulation supposedly ended at at this time period if, if we're using the 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 release of the the um the esoteric kobe bryant death ritual as our beginning point and the kobe bryant uh t-shirt at at corona park is the end point is for 1290 days and then we ask ourselves when is the 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 thirteen thirty five like when like finally like blessed is thou who has made it through all of that well that's going to be October twenty fifth so we're recording this on October seventeenth Mark so in seven days we'll put in our calendar and 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 I don't know if this will be released before then but let's go see what happens let's go test let's go test the waters let's go let's go test our our egregore did we just create an egregore by pointing this out like by are we deconstructing everything is something great gonna happen is something mystical gonna happen is something horrendous gonna happen or is it just gonna pass and fizz so maybe that'll be our next conversation we'll go and we'll see does anything happen on that date yeah wow and in light of everything that's going on in the world it definitely does feel like we are in that intermediary period between the 1290 mark and the 1335 mark which i don't know uh, that doesn't sound like a short that's only 45 days right so uh yeah it's uh seven days away it's seven days away i thought i had pulled up here the uh um the day counter, and I'd show you that, but I don't have that in front of me. You could people, if they're curious, they could go check for that themselves. Well, but the day counter, but yes. To reiterate, though, nice. that that thirty eight, these past thirty eight days have certainly been, you know, in some parts of the world, pretty horrific, right? So, according to what the news is telling us, so yeah, who knows if that's evidence of this revelation come true? But I, yeah, I'm excited to see what we can bring into fruition uh, and anchor the the positive instead of the negative because yeah it is it is something that we all play a part in whether we're aware of it or not yeah yeah 
Well, and I did want to ask you about, you know, the uh, eclipse, considering that in six months, the next one is going to be visible from the East Coast. And I believe the this past one on the 14th, uh, given the, the map that I was shown, I think on climateviewer.com, um, he showed a map of where the eclipse went and it looked like it went right over Los Alamos, which fits into your, our, you know, our previous conversation and the whole Oppenheimer situation. Uh, I didn't even think about that. I've got a, um, so, all right. So, so you bring up something really interesting. So, uh, you're absolutely right. And <laughs> okay. So one of the things which I try to do, I do this with myself and I try, uh, you know, when I'm alone with myself and I also do that when we do these shows is like, I want to look at things from all sorts of different angles. Um, and so what, so what that means is like, like saying like, this doesn't mean anything. This is just an egregore. This is all just made up stuff versus like, Oh, there's something to this. Like, you know, there's some, some real like mystery to it and there's real influence. So it's like, I, I try to walk both of those lines or, or walk the, the, the tight rope that is between both of those points. So you are right. The, the eclipse that just happened did go right over the the Los Alamos the Los Alamos line, or at least in theory, because I have a good friend who's in in Arizona, and I know he sent me pictures. And if he could see it in Arizona, I'm going to assume that it's probably going to be visible in Los Alamos. And you're right; I was we've talked a lot about that on this show. So the next eclipse, the next eclipse, which is visible. That is a really, 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 really significant eclipse. Like something really interesting is happening with that one. And so you know what this eclipse is, which is occurring. Are you are do you know where I'm going with this? What what the one which is going to occur? All I all I know is that it, it's six months from from the 14th, right? Or somewhat approximately six months from now, right? So uh, and and from the map I saw, it said 2024. I don't remember what exact day, but it said it would happen in 2024. And the line went right across the East Coast. It looked like you'd be able to see it, um, you know, basically New York State down to Florida. But I could just be, I don't remember exactly how diagonal the line was. Oh, okay. Yeah. So no, All more right. more like Maine so, to Texas. Huh. So this is the one which um, just occurred. Yep, and then April right, October 8th. 14th. Um, and then this is the one on April 8th. And it's showing the intersection right here. Where is that intersection? Um, because there's another intersection which has a lot of, a lot of people's inter interest. Um, and when you say intersection, you mean a place where both the annular annular solar eclipse and the total solar eclipse could be seen. So just the right. past this one little, and the future one. This this one right here. This huh. little this little diamond shape right here. Yeah. I don't know Texas well enough off the top of my head to know where that is. I think. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if Austin is right over there, given all the activity that's going on in Austin as of late. <laughs> let's see if it says in there. So because they saw exquisite Texas, let me see. Control. Yeah. 
Let's, let's go see. We'll be there. I'm going to go quick quickly see if they tell us where. Uh, nah, I don't think it does. Um, so anyway, where um, there's a, another image which is often showing a intersection of two eclipse paths over the United States. And so this one, which is happening on April 8th, actually intersects the eclipse, which took place, I want to say, maybe it was 2017. That was known as the Great American Eclipse as well. And that was was visible from, I believe it was Astor, Oregon, all the way to Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. Do you remember that? Yeah, I I think I even... Unless it, I'm thinking of a previous one, but I'm pretty sure I watched that one. I got the glasses and everything. But I'm looking on my Google Maps right now, and I'm lining up the best I can with what I just saw. And it looks like San Antonio uh, is smack dab in the middle of that diamond, and Austin is only uh, a couple miles northeast of San Antonio. So, yeah, it looks like Austin and San Antonio are both in that diamond that we just saw, that intersection. Um, and all right, hold on for one second. Sure. And yeah, I, I do believe I did see the last great American eclipse. I remember kind of what was going on in my life back then too. Uh, I wasn't what was pod- going on in your life? Let me tell me that as I'm pull- doing my quick pulling this up. Well, I wasn't podcasting back then, but I was right about to get into that, and I was a delivery guy, and uh, yeah, I just remember the the girl that I was talking to at the time, the the lady rather, <laughs> um, and how she gave me the the glasses, and then I watched the solar eclipse by myself. In, uh, in my backyard at the time and I took my crystals out and I charged the crystals in the solar eclipse which maybe that wasn't a good idea in hindsight but I don't know it was an interesting experience so um, let's see what is gonna that was a really unusual um, that was a, a, an unusual the 2017 um, eclipse was very unusual. This is the path which it took right here. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Well, and then I, I didn't this, see that one then. And this is the one which is happening on April 4th or April 8th. Okay. And this is where they are intersecting. Yeah. Yeah. I'm thinking of a previous eclipse. They're intersecting right over or included in this area is the Cahokia Mounds. Yes. Wow. Could you zoom in if you go back to that previous map or will it get just I tried to. Let me let me do this. Control scroll. Yeah, that's what I'm doing and it won't let me get into this. It's still um Huh. Yeah, so isn't that like St. Louis area? Because I know the St. Saint- Louis Correct. is next to the Cahokia Mounds. Yes. That's exactly where it is. It's the St. Louis area. Which is right on the Mississippi River. And uh, mm-hmm. 
And it's interesting how you have that diamond or that triangle shape um, going from Oregon area down and connecting, um, what is it, Missouri and Texas there. Definitely that tracks, you know, all the exodus of Californians and West Coasters. They all went to either Texas or Tennessee. Yeah. And so, so let's go back to what I was just saying, like, whatever this realm is, you know, we got a mystery. Eclipses are a thing and... And there's something predictable and unusual and mysterious about them. And they are at least egregorized to be tied into something of, you know, to have people be concerned because, well, mostly like we, you, we always get concerned over fear, you know, but things are said to change when eclipses. When we, <clears throat> when we lean into this stuff, when we can like understand what's going on, like what you and I are doing, like, like when people just talk about like eclipses, eclipses, and like, I know there's an eclipse at this date and like scary and stuff like that. Like it's just nebulous. And maybe what we just saw does not necessarily answer all of the things which are happening, but it's leaning more into understanding it. And you can see with your rational mind, this is where the eclipse is visible. And this is, we could begin to see these patterns as individuals and we can see them and then we can begin to apply our own meaning. For example, we can see that there is a intersection of these eclipses. There are at least path of totality, which occurs over a sacred site as defined by a mound site. And then you could be like, okay, well this, this now has meaning to me because of this reason. And when that begins to happen, when you begin to, to live from that level, when you begin to apply your mind and you understand it, but you're still embracing the mystery, I don't know what's going to happen. Like, I'm going to go there. I'm going to make certain that I'm at this mound site on the eclipse. Even if it's just like, I know where I was on the last eclipse. I was right at the, I was right at the confluence of the Susquehanna where the North branch and the West branch meet the lower Susquehanna at, um, in Sunbury PA. Like that was, that was where I was, uh, when that happened. Um, like bringing, bringing these events into your waking experience with both like logical mind and mysterious mind. Like that's when, when the, the, like the, the, in my opinion, we can collapse these false times, these false timelines, these false, scary stories, these false narratives and begin to like move into what the actual mystery is by pulling away all of the things that we know are just like, at least potentially made up boogeyman stuff and just be left with like the true, like mysterious stuff. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I'm excited for that, knowing that you'll be out there and, uh, Cahokia is the city of the sun. That was the, that was the meaning of Cahokia, I believe. So even more, um, synchronicity symbolism overlapping, there with the solar eclipses happening and i look forward to, to talking about that with you when you do that but uh any plans as far as you know things that you're working on anything that people can expect from you on uh, susquehanna alchemy on your youtube channel coming up 
Um. Uh, maybe get putting out. I've been putting out more stuff uh, these last couple months. I've taken a little bit of uh, last couple weeks since I've been down here in Florida. I haven't put anything. I think I'm going to upload this video onto onto the channel. But what I will say is I'm doing starboard ceremonies remotely and in person again. So if anyone is interested, they just uh, go to like, I don't even have a website anymore, but Linktree, like you could order services that way. And that is a good way of beginning to understand one's relationship to the mystery through astrology, what we'll call astrology without getting like locked and bogged down into like all of like the, the Babylonian astrological mumbo jumbo. Like what I call it is astrology without contradictions. Right on. Cool. Well, listeners, thank you for tuning in to this uh, special edition of your handbook for the apocalypse. And uh, yeah, shout out to all the Susquehanna alchemy people on YouTube. And uh, thanks, Mike. Great episode. I, we covered a lot of ground here. Yeah, we did. <laughs>